Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for getting ahead as a student, becoming more productive, but a terrible resource for figuring out how to get the Walgreens jingle out of your head. It won't leave, Martin. See, I didn't even know the jingle. Honestly, they, yeah, they didn't, well, they didn't get to else, me. This is a memetic hazard here, but it's that's life. This is Walgreens. Yeah, and every time know. I think or say that's life i think of that so props to whoever came up with that in their marketing department because dang hopefully they've succeeded in leading you to a walgreens slightly more than you already would have gone i would have to say they've failed with that because oh, no. i i do not even know where the nearest walgreens is i feel like that's the case with a lot of like jingles that i remember i'm like yeah sure i remember a lot of that but i don't like get these things anyway it doesn't yeah like but for some people, probably does something, maybe. Well, I would like assume you and I are hyper resistant to advertising. That's probably not true, though. I was just thinking about this the other day. Anna was complaining to me that she's seeing a lot more ads on Instagram that are very effective to her. Well, yeah, they're very good at it. They're very good at that. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder if ads are effective for me on Instagram. A lot of times they're not because they're trying to appeal to my businessy entrepreneur side. And I'm like, eh, I don't really think I care with, about I've, the I've actually seen you're some, trying to sell. some pretty cool ones, to be honest. But yes, barbell so. apparel. I th- I'm pretty sure it was an Instagram ad that uh, turned me on to them. And it didn't really need to say much because I have spent my life looking for clothes that are made to fit a uh, more athletic build. And that's like, they just had an ad that was like clothes for athletic guys. Cool. I'm sold. So well, that's they got hard, me. I guess they, they got, they got you me good. on Instagram. They did. Yeah. I've spent a lot <sighs> of money with them. Uh, yeah. So two nine nine, it is two nine nine, one more. And then, and then after that, the name changes. Should we reveal the name of the show now or should we make people listen to the end of the show? I'm of two minds on this, right? So like make people listen to the end, they'll listen to the end. It's like maybe kind of like a treat for the end, right? But it's a podcast. How There's no algorithm that's like, you need more listen time. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. I, I guess um, people would get to the ads that we have, but who knows? Maybe they're hyper resistant to ads too. Maybe they are. I guess it's my job to make those ads so compelling that even hyper resistant to ad people think, dang, I should I should subscribe to whatever ad is on this show, which I need to look at later. Or we could just do it now. Which the benefit of that would be people who don't listen to the whole show will know. And then when they see it change in their feed, they're going to be confused. I did see yep. some questions uh, when we were reaching out for questions that were like, the podcast is ending. So yeah, still confusing. So we might as well make it yeah. less confusing by just saying the name is changing. It's not effect. We're, we're resetting the numbers back to episode yes. one and changing the name. In that story, I said one of our final podcast episodes, 
in, in, in my context, I've been talking about this change for a long time, but now that I think about it, people who are on my Instagram, but maybe haven't gone to the podcast in a while, maybe they don't know what I mean by one of my final. Yeah. It's, it's one of the final for the college info geek podcasts. So let's just, let's just reveal it for the yeah. people at home. Should we do like a really, really long drum roll? Uh, no, like have Anna insert a like a roll. 30 second, just. Oh yeah. We'll just do that. <laughs> It's it's not that crazy of a reveal. Um, we are changing the name from the College Info Geek podcast to the Inforium. Yep, still That's got info in it, show. but now it sounds mm-hmm. all like mysterious and yeah. stuff. It sounds like whimsical a little bit. It I does. like that vibe, but it's still got info in it. So the spirit of the College Info Geek podcast lives on mm-hmm. in a new body that's no longer in college. Yep, and I, I want to give credit to my fiance Anna, for coming up with that name. We yep. were sitting around coming up with all kinds of names. We were like, maybe we should just, you know, do the easy thing and just change it over to Info Geek Podcast or the Info Geeks or some weird thing like that. But I wanted something short. Yeah, you know? something that's like easier to say. And she she came up with the Inforium. She's like, it's kind of like an emporium full of cool things. And because you guys want to discuss whatever you want. And I'm like, you're right. It's like Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, except for it's whatever I want in that Wonder Emporium. Yeah. Instead of whatever Mr. Megorium's got. So the, the Inforium. So yes, it's it, the Inforium. We are going to keep the album art. Why do I keep saying album art? Podcast art. Very similar as to not cause a whole lot of confusion because we are not changing the feed. We are just changing the name and the episode yep, numbering. You're automatically subscribed. So, I mean, obviously unsubscribe if you're like, I like this one, but I hate the new one for some reason. But if you want to hear the new one, which I would assume, do nothing. You want to hear it the will, new it one. It will automatically be on your stuff. You don't have to do Do me anything. this favor, dear listener. Listen to the first episode of the new one before you make your decision. That's ridiculous. Because I can tell you two things. Number one, we're going to be making some improvements to the flow of the show. I think there'll be improvements. Uh, we've been talking about it. And two, other than like flow improvements, you're not going to have a whole lot change here. The main impetus for this change is we need to move past the College Info Geek name because we don't talk about college. Yep. And And it's been kind of real for a while. We just we're still under the name. Yep. Which is, you know, that's it's kind of like it's like legacy systems, legacy code. You know, a lot of times businesses are like, we have basically moved past this, but there's some reason why we can't, you know, totally jettison. 300 is a cool number to do it at. Exactly. We can, we can do this as Sparta memes. There's two zeros in it. It's, it feels significant. It's one of those things. But that's all. I I do still want to do the highlights episode. Oh yeah. So there'll be like a little bonus thing. Mm-hmm. In between, and I'm not going to tell people what that is, but we're yeah. gonna, it's going to be a special thing. It's going to come out probably this month or early next month, and then yeah, Sometime. episode number one of the Inforium is going live. Uh, can we say the date? Do we have the date? I mean, we should. It should be somewhere. I have um, the date. I just didn't have it sitting. I haven't on my thought screen. about the fact that August the date 10th. is already known. Oh, August Monday, 10th. August tenth, two thousand and twenty is when the Inforium is launching. So open your podcast app and download it as normal or head on over to the YouTube channel and download it as normal. I think the YouTube channel is going to have to change too. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
so that's what we're doing. Uh, and to sort of, you know, quasi celebrate the end of this show, which we have one more episode coming after this, but this is near the end. Uh, we are doing a pure Q and a episode today. Um, yeah. So it's not we, limited to productivity. It's just, yes. so yeah, questions. we've done, we've done five questions episodes for a long time. I think, uh, probably around, we've done 10, we've done more than 30. How, I think. how so it's I just like, got a, I just got a Slack notification after putting my entire Mac on do not disturb. They didn't care. How does that even but, work? No, we've done like something like 30, maybe, maybe slightly above that five questions. We've done like 160 some questions that were all the ostensibly productive or something to that effect. Yeah, I think it's like a full 10% um, of the episodes are five questions episodes. Yeah, it's, it's quite a bit. Starting all the way back when we used to play games. Yeah. Try to answer questions. That was sort of... It kind of worked. It kind it of turns worked, out it's hard to answer not, tough not philosophical well. questions while you are playing Mario. It is true. So what we're going to do with this episode is I am going to start a 45 minute timer and we're going to get through as many of the questions on the list as possible. Most All of these right. came through our Instagram. Uh, yeah. And if you guys, if, if for some reason people are like, this episode was great. We loved them answering dumb questions about well i'm not going to spoil what's on this list almost did we could do it again so uh you may want to go follow us on instagram i am tom frankly and martin is yo martholomew on instagram also today i just launched a new q a series on instagram so a couple of times a week i'm going to be answering questions you just lo- you looked like someone just broke into your house. Uh, no, it looks like the wasp nest that's near my window outside is active today, so I'm gonna have to pay some attention to that. You know, it's is your window open? Are you no, gonna have wasp no, guests it's on the just podcast? They're they're knocking. I think they want on the podcast, but they won't they won't get in. They're not invited to this episode. I'm just we get like, a lot of guest requests on the podcast, and I think yeah. wasps are you know they probably they, need to be rejected. They do somewhat deserve it, but yeah, you know, I'm just remembering that there's a nest up there. Can you imagine a wasp Good on the podcast? The, the sound of bees buzzing in my ear is like one of my least favorite things in the world. Yeah. If someone just put like bee audio into the podcast, ugh, do not worry. I guarantee we're not doing that because I, w- no. I would. That would be an unsubscribe thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Like, ooh. <laughs> All right. So we got a bunch um, of questions. Yes, we have a bunch of questions. I'm going to start the question timer now and we're going to get into it. Boom. Bam. All right. First question. What is your favorite video game? Uh, Mine's Wind Waker. Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. That one's still your favorite? I've played it like eight or nine times. I fully expect to play it more than that several more times in my lifetime. I can't be sick of it ever. I'm still waiting for you and Anna to have your side-by-side Wind Waker playthrough day. That's true. A lot of things have gotten in the way of that. Two years. I don't know what it is. There's just something I love about having friends around me playing, even if they're playing single player games. Yeah. I greatly enjoy that. Um, For my favorite video game, I'm going to have to put it down as DDR. Been playing DDR since I was probably 13 years old, possibly 12. Actually, yeah, 12, because that would have been the the middle school near the arcade. There was a Loco Joe's nickel arcade, which was a lie because those games didn't cost a nickel. They were like 
50 cents or a dollar. I think DDR was a dollar. And you kept going in there and giving them money for their false advertising? I did. I did. And they got shut down because there were people doing drug deals near the pool tables. Oh, classic. Which is a classic classic arcade, you know. Why do hooligans have to ruin everything? Now I sound like an old man. But yeah, I I would save up. I'm pretty sure DDR was a dollar. So I would save up like $5 at a time and I would go in and play five games and want to play way more. And then I'd have to leave because that was all the money I had. And uh, for years and years and years, I dreamed of having my own machine. Um, I got a farm job when I was 14, intending to buy like metal pads. And then I got my first paycheck and I promptly spent it all impulsively instead. Nice. That was one of my first work money lessons. You know, if you get a pile of cash, you got to be careful with it because it's very tempting to use it. Uh, and now finally, you know, how many years has it been like 17 years? Gross. I finally have metal pads in my basement. So just goes to show you, keep a dream in your head and someday you can achieve it. Unless that dream is becoming a shark. Someday though. Probably (laughs) someday, someday. Yeah. With enough enough crisper. All right. Uh, are we going to, are we going to alternate on the questions? Oh, sure. Okay. So the second question, this is a really good one. Can I be the first question? No, no, you can't. I'm sorry. All right. That's a pretty good one. All right. Uh, just, what would you, <laughs> oh, I just wanted to, sometimes, I just wanted to break a heart a today. I just wanted to, to, to take a heart in my hand and, and just crush it. Just you ever get that feeling, it. you know, like sparrows egg between pure thighs. malice. Yeah. All right. Uh, what would you do differently if you had to set up CIG from scratch today? This is this is an interesting question. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, setting. So I'm going to take this from the angle of like if I want to set up a brand new web property today. And we'll, we'll just say it's College Info Geek. Um, number one, I don't think I call it College Info Geek. That name. Yeah. The, the name comes from the fact that I was a management information systems major and uh, I was going to call it college beat and that was taken. And I was like, well, I'm an MIS major and I like computers and stuff. Maybe it's, I, I intended it for be like a college blog that was more about it. That was my first intention. Yeah. And it like Which started kind of funny with a bunch of Linux articles. And well, the funny thing is um, my content, what I wrote in the beginning really didn't reflect that that was my intention with the name but then it turns out my interest wasn't in writing about it because my first article was about time management my second article was about sleep and my third article was about setting up your desk Hmm. and then when i brought uh andrew holcomb on he wrote about nothing but linux and um and android so for him it was like you know he was kind of actually writing in the spirit of the name i had chosen but yeah, I, I sat there and I had heard this piece of advice in the past, which is that uh, a name is uh, empty when you come up with it and then you fill it up with meaning over time. And that is the reason that I don't really regret the name College Info Geek. It's a lot of sil- syllables. Um, some people have thought that I meant to mean that I was the College Info Geek and I've been introduced that I've way in speaking I've gigs before. I've seen that. Um, but no, it was, I wanted it to be a publication. 
Um, and, you know, it's a lot of syllables, but it's, it's a name that nobody's ever really been like, Ugh, what a weird name. Because I think when we name things, it's really just our own self-doubt that creeps up and everyone else is just like, yep, that's what it's called. Cool. Yeah. Um, today, though. So what I would do, number one, I would build an email list from day one. I would do what I did at the beginning, which was come up with a, a list of topics that I wanted to write about before starting the blog. Um, you know, working with you, we've seen the benefits of making the site incredibly fast. So that would be a priority from yeah. day one. Um, and given the landscape of content now, I would prioritize video. So, I mean, it's what we're doing now for sure. Um, I don't think I would, you know, if I, if you were like, Tom, your, your plate is cleared. You have no other responsibilities. Restart college info geek or build a new web property. I wouldn't start it as just a blog. Yeah, it would be, it would be uh, pieces of content that were combined a video and an article version for most of them. Especially if you're telling me it has to be college info geek then I know, cool, I'm making a resource for college students. So it's going to be a lot of very search driven content. How do I study? How do I manage my finances as a student? How do I get scholarships? All these kinds of things. People are manically Googling them and they are also putting them into YouTube. So I'm going to be very laser focused on the fact that this is search driven. So I want to both dominate the, uh, the Google search results and the YouTube search results. So a lot of what I'm practicing now, and I would just get started earlier. Yeah. And I mean, even now, look, we're changing the name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just like, it could have been done later, but it would have been maybe interesting to see what it would be like. If I, and if I were starting if up it again, were slightly different, if I were starting up again, you know, like I personally at, at nearly 30 years old, I don't have an interest in starting a new college themed thing, but you know, under yeah. this scenario, I probably do call it, uh, the college info geek podcast or just college info geek, the podcast name, because it's, it's very clear what it is. And a lot of our early podcast episodes were very clearly for students. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of the things I would do differently are I would do things faster than I did. It took me, I think a year and a half to start an email list. Yeah. And it took you a long time to like start separating some things like having me code stuff. Mm-hmm. We, it was quite a ways in that, that had happened. Yeah. And it's, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of businessy things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of businessy things. Um, I would probably not wait so long to monetize. I do think there was value in not monetizing right away. Cause I get questions from people who are like, you know, how, how long is it going to take before I can monetize a blog? And, um, I don't want to assume what their intentions are. All I will say is if you are going into content creation of any type with the intention to make money. And that's like your main motivation at first. I think the amount of competitiveness out there is so high that you will probably burn out before you get to a point where you could actually make money. I think there has to be like this manic energy, this desire to put something out there to spend hours and hours and hours, not only crafting content, but researching how to make your content better because you love it to get to a point where you actually make money from it. Yeah, like you'll be really disappointed yeah. if you want fast payback. Mm-hmm. If you want to make money, if you're like, I want to make money making content, do it for someone else. Do it as a freelancer. 
or get mm. a job. That makes it. sense. You know, tons of companies out there need content. They need article writers. They need video producers. They need podcast producers, sound engineers, all this kind of thing. We just hired a sound guy at standard. Like that's totally a valid career path. If you want to make content for the internet and, and your motivation is, you know, maybe even not primarily, but like a large part of your motivation is to make money. There are jobs out there for it. But if you want to build a business around content, I think you got to love what you're making content about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. Let's see. Uh, Tom, can you curl more than Matt Diavella? Let's find out, Matt. Let's find out. I don't, I don't know. I don't, even, I don't know. How much does he curl? I have no idea. I don't know how much Matt curls, but Matt doesn't know. know how much I curl. All right. So, I don't know. There, there's going to have to be a showdown at some point. Um, if you look at the videos, Matt, it looks like Matt has bigger biceps than I do. But I got these super long arms, right? So maybe I have like the same amount of bicep just stretched across more arms. Maybe it's just stretched out. Maybe it's just stretched (laughs) out. Uh, So y'all are going to have to have a showdown. Um, Curl showdown. There you go. Uh, I'm going (laughs) to go ahead and say that I can't basically for certain because I curl nothing. I'm more of a pull-ups guy and a handstand push-ups guy. I've never really been into curling. So, you know, almost certainly no for me. The number of pull-ups that you have been able to do, I don't know how many you could do right now, but uh, I was always uh, very jealous. I'm I'm very propor- I'm like an ant, you know, I'm very proportionately strong. I'm just not very big. So like you never see it coming. I'm just gonna walk by with a truck on my shoulder and I'll be like, That's I true. just needed to move it. What's the word for it? There's a there's a word for it. Wiry. Some yeah. guys have a wiry yeah. build, which means they are basically like a piece of rebar. Like you don't, you don't think you like at first glance, you're like, that's probably not a very strong person. And right. then you are completely wrong. I could probably curl like a couple babies if I could, if I measure it in babies. <laughs> that's your, like, that's I, your I measure. bet you, I bet you, you put two babies and they're like, like on baskets connected to a stick. I bet I could, I bet I could curl a couple, a couple babies. <laughs> they're just hanging on. How, how old Somehow. are they? I'm not, I'm not sure what age. I don't know what, how many months do the babies have? I don't know. That's a tough one for me um 3600 months that's <laughs> that's uh that's probably a no <laughs> at that point so at this point you're curling the caskets i just uh i don't think i'm going to be able to do that one how many months is the but average yeah, I guess, lifespan i guess you and matt are going to have to have a showdown here all right i'm going to live for 100 years i should be able to do this in my head that's 1200 months so i'll be 300 years old that's that's an old baby yeah, All right. that's an old baby. Moving on. All right. Matt, if you want to have a curl battle, let's do it. What Bring is the on. internet, man? Bring it on. Internet productivity beef. Yeah. <laughs> this week's episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at Skillshare, which is an online learning platform with thousands of classes across a ton of different topics that can help you improve your skills, your creativity, and even your job prospects. In their library, you're going to find classes ranging across topics like music production, uh, video editing, digital illustration. Uh, I already said music production, right? Audio engineering. I'm allowed to say topics twice. Productivity and all sorts of other topics. And uh, because we are getting near August and a lot of you are still in school, I want to plug a couple of the courses on the platform that were made by yours truly. 
I've got one course there called uh, Productivity Masterclass, Building a Custom System That Works. And this class is all about setting up your to-do list, your calendar, your note-taking system, the way you manage your files, both digitally and physically, and getting all of these tools to work harmoniously, making sure that nothing really ever slips through the cracks. You want to get to a point where you have an external system that you trust. So when something comes into your life, like an assignment or somebody's phone number or the fact that you need to meet somebody next week, you have a place where you can pull it out of your brain and put it into an external system where it will not be forgotten and a place that you trust, a place that you know is going to be easily accessible and not a mess six months down the line. And that is exactly what this class teaches you how to do. It teaches you how to get it set up and it teaches you how to maintain it with minimal effort. I also have another class about building strong habits. So if you're the kind of person who wants to learn how to stick to habits long-term, that's gonna be very interesting for you as well. This class breaks down the process of taking your goals, figuring out what kind of habits are going to get you inexorably to those goals goals, and then how to stick to those habits as well. So if you want to take those two classes or any of the other thousands of classes on the platform, you can go over to skillshare.com slash geek and sign up. And the best part is that once you do, you're going to get yourself a two month free trial with unlimited access to the platform. So you could take both of my courses and probably a whole bunch of others if you're diligent before you even have to pay. And once you do have to pay, well, Skillshare is a very affordable platform. A lot of online course platforms are very expensive or charge a ton of money per course. Skillshare is just $10 a month. And again, you get thousands of classes for that subscription price. So if you're somebody who can be disciplined about making learning a daily habit, then Skillshare is a vastly valuable platform. So once again, Skillshare.com slash geek to get that two month free trial. And as always, huge thanks goes out to Skillshare for sponsoring this episode and supporting our show. And another big thanks goes out to our second sponsor this week, which is Hover. Hover is the best place on the internet to get your hands on a custom domain name for yourself. And this is something that you absolutely want to get if you do not have it already, or even if you do, because, well, if you're anything like me and Martin, you probably have more than a few domains. How many domains do you have, Martin? I'm not do you even sure. Want to, do you even want to reveal? Probably at least 15. <laughs> I think I have probably at least 15 domains it's- as well. You don't have to have 15 domains, though you could be like me and you're like, I really need thomas.lol. I just have to have that. And well, you can get that on Hover. But what I would recommend as a start is to get some kind of domain for your online professional presence and your personal brand. Uh, One domain extension they have on Hover that is great for this is the .me extension. If you have something like thomasfrank.me, which, well, that you can't get because I have thomasfrank.me, but if you have something like yourname.me, that is a great domain on which to put a personal website or a portfolio if you have work that you want to show off to the world. And then you can put that on your resume, you can put that on business cards, you can link to that from social media profiles. It is a great way to build an online home base where anybody that you meet through your various platforms and profiles can come to see what you're all about and learn how to contact you. This is a great way to make connections with potential clients if you are a business person or potential employers if you're looking for a job. And even if you're not yet ready to build a website, if you're maybe in high school or something, 
go get yourself that domain. Lock it down so nobody else can take it and so that you have it when you are ready to start building that platform. And of course, when you're ready to get that domain, you should go to Hover to get it. They have over 400 domain extensions. They have your .coms, your .mes, like I just mentioned, but also lots of really cool ones like .lol. I have thomas.lol. I had to buy that one. .ninja, all kinds of fun ones as well. Additionally, their sales process is incredibly smooth and seamless. There are no annoying pop-ups. There are no weird, annoying upsells. You just go in, log in, buy your domain, and in 30 seconds, you're basically done. Plus, they have a couple of features once you have your domain, like the ability to set up a professional email address. Mine is thomas at collegeinfogeek.com. It's a little bit more professional than a Gmail. And uh, a connect feature, which allows you to connect that domain up very easily to website builders like Squarespace. So if you're ready to go and get your domain name, get it locked down and reserved and ready for when you want to build your platform, head over to hover.com slash CIG. That is gonna be H-O-V-E-R.com slash CIG. And once you do that, Using that URL is going to get you 10% off your first purchase and also helps to support the show. So once again, hover.com slash CIG. And thanks as always to Hover for sponsoring this episode. And let's get back into it. Uh, what are the top three books that have helped you become the person you are today? Let's and let's try to make this question not take the entirety of the rest of the episode. Yeah, I feel like it easily could. Um, mm-hmm. um, um Think of one and then I'll go and we'll alternate. Sirens of Titan I, by Kurt Vonnegut. Okay. And why? It was my introduction to um, considering morality in a different light. I thought it, it made me look at life in a very different angle than usual. And Vonnegut's very good at that. So mm-hmm. it just kind of made me more of a an open-minded critical thinker for the first okay. time. Um, my first one is going to be Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality by Eliezer Yudkowsky. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I don't necessarily agree with everything that Yudkowsky puts out on the internet, but methods of rationality was something I kind of stumbled into off of, I think a hacker news post. And, uh, it was, it was kind of the, the thing that made me start to learn about rationality, about heuristics, about a lot of the, um, a lot of the irrational beliefs that we hold as humans. Uh, one of my favorite concepts that's introduced in that book and that he expands upon a bit more in his uh, articles is this idea of belief as attire as in, as in clothing, um, a lot of people will hold on to a certain set of beliefs because they are part of the makeup of a specific identity, which is often tied to your social group. So um, a lot of people are like, I am, I am this, I am that. And that sort of entails uh, agreement with a certain set of beliefs. And if you challenge somebody on one of those beliefs, they may feel internally that, huh, I don't actually know if I agree with that belief. But a lot of times what people will do is because that belief forms part of the sort of garb of a certain type of identity, they shut down those questions. And I absolutely yeah. did that a lot growing up. I had a certain type of identity, which was tied to you know what my family believed, what my grandparents and parents and uncles and aunts and you know a lot of the people who I grew up around believed. And, uh, you know, to challenge some of those beliefs to myself was a threat to my identity and potentially my relationships with those people. Um, But reading that book was kind of like the impetus for me to start questioning, like, do I actually believe those things? And is it right for me to shy away from these doubts and shy away from these questions just because I'm afraid of losing my identity? Yeah. Yeah. So Um, that for me, that was a good read. Um, 
There are books out there like Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely that would be probably just as effective without you having to read a Harry Potter fan fiction. Oh, yeah, probably true. And uh, my second book is going to be Essentialism by Greg McCune. Hmm. It's uh, probably my favorite productivity-esque book that I've read simply about prioritization and you know, if you spread your um, energy thin across several different things, you might end up doing a mediocre job of all of them rather than an excellent job at one or two. That mm. logic really stuck with me and helps me figure out how I'm going to focus my energies uh, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, short term, long term. I, I make sure because I have like a billion things I'm interested in that I figure out ways to focus on one of them at a time for a long enough period to matter rather than saying, I'm going to do five minutes of like 10 languages and 15 art projects today, which would, which would be pointless. So it yeah. just kind of helped me divide my interests a little better. Gotcha. Uh, book number two for me is probably going to be the motivation hacker by Nick winter. Oh, yeah. Um, Nick winter is the guy who created a site called Scritter, which is, I believe a Chinese learning app. Yeah, um, I think so. And he made a website called Code Combat, which teaches kids how to code through like a video game-esque kind of thing. So pretty cool guy. Um, the Motivation Hacker is basically him documenting this gigantic multi-month challenge of setting all these huge goals for himself and then figuring out how to set up commitment devices that would force him to, to do them. Um, many books have espoused the idea of the fact that professionals make things on a schedule and they hold themselves accountable whereas amateurs just do things when they feel like it i think uh stephen pressfield's the war of art is one of the biggest ones there but the motivation hacker was the book that really introduced that idea to me and made me take it seriously it's the book that introduced me to bminder which i used to bring my website out of stagnation and get myself on a schedule um so again, it's it's one of those books where, you know, having read a lot of other books about many of the same ideas, I can't say like this is the definitive book on self-discipline and commitment devices, but it really impacted me. I picked it up out of curiosity. Uh, I think part of the fact was that it was $3. So it was like a super low investment. Oh, nice. And that's the thing, like, you know, it's kind of crazy that like the, the two that I've listed so far are uh, a random dude from San Francisco who wrote an ebook mostly about his own challenges and then a Harry Potter fan fiction. No one is going to put these on like lists of the greatest books of all time. If you're like, what's the greatest productivity book ever written? You're not going to say those, but yeah, sometimes but if it hits you, you at the right time, hits you at the right time. A fan fiction is free. Can't, you can't charge money for that. A dude's ebook is $3, you know, low barrier to entry and timing. Yeah. And sometimes yeah, that and is what it takes for cool for an idea to get into your head. All right. Uh, you have a third one. Yeah, that would be man's search for meaning by, uh, Victor Frankl. That is, um, it's not a summer read, not a light one. Don't mm -hmm. read this. If you're looking to feel good, it's about, it's either a psychologist or a psychiatrist, some sort of person who is qualified to study human minds talking about his experience living through the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. Mm. Uh, Therefore, he was in a unique position to study what kind of psychological dispositions, what kind of attitudes help a person survive and find hope or find meaning at all in such an incredibly hopeless situation. And there were some interesting findings in there about what keeps people going, what makes life worth living, what, what really matters. Because, you know, when you're in a situation like that, what really matters is probably 
the only thing you have time to think about. There's not going to be like, what's my favorite football team doing today? It, it really is going to scrape away all of the distraction of life. And since he studied people's behaviors already, he was in a really interesting position to comment on how it all seemed Hmm. that that book was very powerful, but again, really not fun. Obviously don't read it if you're not feeling too great yourself, but also maybe do, it might help you find meaning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's worth not shying away from material that is going to challenge you or put you in an emotionally dark place. Yeah. Just, just be ready for it. Just, just read it when you you know it's coming so that you don't Mm -hmm. just get hit in the face with sad suddenly. And it's worth knowing that, you know, every one of us is going to be forced into situations that cause us to deal with emotional trauma at some point in our life. That's just what it is to be human. Yeah. So to shy away from, you know, exposing yourself to ideas along those lines, um, that, that could rob you of the potential, uh, yeah. to build some resilience. Yeah. Just like, uh, really I wouldn't read it. it like on the bus, you know, I'd probably <laughs> read it like yeah. when you're ready to intellectually and emotionally intake the content uh, rather mm. than just like, oh, I'm standing in a line at McDonald's. Let me read about the concentration camp. It just seems like maybe that's not the right moment. Yeah. But it, it meant a lot to me and it was very enlightening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a few more that I'd like to talk about, but uh, I can only pick one. So maybe we need to do another book episode at some point. I could see that being possible. So I'm going to reach back way back into my past and I'm going to say uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad as my <laughs> third one. So this is, see, it's another funny thing because like Kiyosaki is somebody who I don't, have i don't agree with on everything and uh, yeah i think it's like a little dubious about you know some of like the really expensive seminars and stuff he runs now but that book that book has a specific piece of work i read it probably when i was 14 years old i remember reading it around the same time that my mom had said hey if you want to make money take the lawnmower around the neighborhood knock on doors and uh try to get some lawn mowing clients you know, if you want to get more clients, go print out flyers and put them up on bulletin boards at coffee shops and at the library. So my mom is somebody who actually instilled a bit of entrepreneurial fire in me. And uh, reading that book kind of helped to push me along that path as well. I remember there was specifically this this quadrant or the four quadrant graph that he had built in the book to sort of uh, describe you know, the different ways in which people can work. And I actually can't even remember what each of the four quadrants in the graph are. I think like one was what investors do. One is what, uh, what business builders do like large company business builders. One was what, um, like freelancers and small time entrepreneurs do. And then one was what employees do, but eventually it basically boils down to like some people essentially trade hours for dollars. Some people build systems and uh, put in capital and make it work for them. And they eventually build businesses that would allow them to leave while still generating value for them. That was a powerful idea for me. Um, It took me a while to really take it seriously. I did my lawn mowing business, um, but I remember in early high school, I read into a little bit about like the tax situation with entrepreneurship and I was very intimidated by it. And I was convinced like, I'm going to get something wrong. The IRS is going to send like ninjas through my roof on those rope things from helicopters. And they're going to kidnap me in the middle of the night and shake me down. 
So I was like, oh, well, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm just going to get a regular job. But eventually I looked into it, read, confronted my fear, realized, oh, it's actually not that difficult. You can hire an accountant. And even if you don't, there's like, you know, there's rules, but you can learn them. Um, and ever since, like the way I think now is how can I build flywheels? How can I build something where I put in some input and it keeps keeps flying, keeps going, even if I stop putting an in input so I can go do something else, build another system over here. Yeah, and that was very powerful for me. So, you know, again, I can't speak to how useful the rest of what Kiyosaki is putting out into the world is, but that book definitely had an impact on me as a kid. Yeah. All right. All right. Next question, I think. All right. Uh, next one is, what's your MBTI personality type? MBT. Um, I actually have to that's look. The, that's the four letter one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the four letter uh, one. I need to look real quick. You mine know yours. Is, mine is INFJ. I've taken that. I've taken various forms of that test three or four times over the last 10 or 15 years. And I always get INFJ. So I'm pretty confident in saying Quiet that. and mystical, yet very inspiring and tireless idealists. And uh, the person they have drawn here on what's 16 that? personalities. What's that for? I'm on 16 personalities. I'm looking yeah, at your INFJ. Oh, you're looking at mine? Okay. Yeah. And it's like a wizard. I am a wizard. So, yeah, I could see this. This guy looks like an airbender. I, I want to be an Ooh, airbender. It's... And there is also, I've seen people have done like a, uh, you know, avatar. Let me see if I can find it. Avatar, oh, have they lined MBTI. up bending types with, they definitely or maybe did it characters with, because they're a way more. They definitely did it with uh, Hogwarts. So I want to oh, see yeah, if they and did I matched, it. I matched that too. I feel like people have actually done a pretty good job of predicting <laughs> okay, what you'll you wanna, end up in. You want to know who the INFJ is? What do I got? Tenzin. Tenzin is amazing. So <laughs> therefore, Tenzin's it's, like the one thing that I that I remember really fondly and would always go back to Korra for is Tenzin specifically. Usually yep. I'm just like, but I like the last Airbender like a thousand times more. But also, what about Tenzin? Tenzin can, was great. Can, can I just like claw him into the original series and then have it all at once? Maybe. Probably mm-hmm. not though. I love so I, ha- I have an interesting experience with the mbti test and i i shouldn't even say the mbti test because the one i have always taken except for when they had me take them in college um is the 16 personalities.com test and the 16 personalities test uses the mbti acronyms and roles to sort of explain your personality but the methodology they use to quiz you is not actually mbti they use big five which apparently in psychology circles is somewhat more accurate okay so they they mixed some maybe the best of both worlds like a hannah montana situation i think it's pretty well known that the mbti methodology is very inaccurate um Mm. now personally i'm not a psychologist so i don't even know how much big five is in terms of accuracy i'm pretty sure the only real one is the sorting hat so well that one's written to be magical so it's like cheating a little bit exactly you know any any science that is sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic and uh such as the sorting hat so i took this for for years over and over and over again and i always got entj entj it's the commander the steve jobs type um And then I was in the car with my mom, my brother last year, and they said, Thomas, we took that that quiz for you and we didn't get the ENTJ. I don't think you're the ENTJ. I think you are. What was it? The ESTP or no, no, not the ESTP, the the ISTP, the virtuoso, as the 16 personalities calls it, uh, which are bold and practical experimenters and masters of all kinds of tools. 
So I'm like, huh, interesting. Let me go take it again. And I think maybe uh, I've just sort of like matured a little bit because I I got the um, the INTP, which is the only difference is the is the N versus the S. Um, so the, the logician, which they're a little bit more concerned with ideas and logical arguments than they are with like tools. But it was interesting to take the quiz again with with a specific idea in mind. Answer the question based on what I want to do truly, not what I feel compelled to do. I've always taken the quiz kind of like, you know, like you, know, you, you like to be the center of attention. Well, yeah, I like to see myself that way. And I think like I'd always explain it to myself in the moment as that's how I am. But looking back, it's definitely like that's how I choose to be because it's a role that I'm trying to inhibit, not how I really feel. Mm. And how I really feel in most moments is a lot more introverted than uh, people probably think I am. Um, really ironic I, what we're doing right now. I don't like. Right. But but I'm I'm alone in a room talking to you via a computer. Yeah. yeah it's like the most introverted <laughs> way to be extroverted is to like put stuff yeah. out on the Internet, but we can make it alone. The idea of going to like a party with a bunch of people I don't know, I hate that. It's, uh, you know, if it's a business conference, okay, cool. I'm like, cool. I can talk to these people about like analytics and stuff. Uh, if I go to someone's family reunion and it's not my own, I'm like, what do I do? I want to sit in the corner on my phone, man. So yeah, I took it with, with what I wanted in mind and I got the logician one. Um, I read through that one. I read through the one my mom thought I was and I see a lot of myself in both of them, which I think gets to the point that everyone is sort of a mix. I don't think any of these roles perfectly explain somebody, but looking at how I actually behave in real life and the fact that I don't actually like to tell people what to do and to command armies of people, like I'm not, yeah, I'm not. The Again, ESG. really ironic. It is ironic, right? But like who who does most of like the checking up and managing in our company? It's you. Well, I would rather be creating stuff all day. In terms of management, the only thing I ever want to do is build systems and then like give them to people. Yeah. I don't want to actually run them. So, which is funny because you're also not like the ENTJ. But hey, we read that book, Good to Great, and it said the, what was it? Level five leadership the best leaders are actually the ones who are like quiet, not boastful, virtuoso. Yeah. The kind uh, of leader who's more focused on helping the team rather than, than like saying, look at me, Mm -hmm. I'm a leader. Usually the great leaders are accidentally leaders. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's a place in the world for your Steve jobs types, but uh, there's also a place in the world for, you know, your, your quiet, more supportive manager types who are like, yeah, let's, focus on the team. Let's not focus on the fact that the inside of the computer is also painted white just for philosophical reasons. Yeah. Okay. Uh, would you rather be biologically merged with a goat or a capybara? Uh, my, my first instinct was capybara cause I think they're, they're kind of cute, but then I thought goat cause they climb mountains really well. I was about to say if it's, if we're talking about a mountain goat, like I'm it's going to be, be a mountain, mountain goat. goat. They're just like super skilled. Yeah, I mean, I had the legs of a mountain goat. I I like to climb, but I do if I could run up a mountain, I'll take that any could, day of the I week. I could do anything I want at unlimited power, basically. So with give me the legs. sweet goat powers, and then I can freak people out with my weird eye, like pupil. And if we too. only get two goat legs, we got to be like satyrs. That's pretty cool. 
That's true. Unless I'm like filled with like Hercules. A, I get like a pamphlet. I don't want to be. Well, he could probably get up the mountain eventually. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to be Danny DeVito. Why not? Or do I? Everybody wants to be Danny DeVito. <laughs> uh, I'm just ignoring Okay, my so it looks like goats winning design. out on here. Although, interesting question, you know, I never, no one even brings up Capybara. Maybe. That's true. This time they had representation for just a second before we both <laughs> voted against them. All right. Next question. Uh, was there a different career field you wanted to pursue before this? Yes, there was. A couple, actually. Yeah, I would say the um, same thing here. I'm accidentally I, doing this. It's We just, just kind of happened. I think you and I went to this to school for the same thing. I don't know. I don't know what specifically you wanted to do, but I wanted to be the dude in the basement of a giant corporation running the systems. I wanted to be a, basically a sysadmin. Uh, I wanted to be the guy at the computer that had a billion screens. I wanted to be tanked from the matrix. Yeah. Until I did it and realized, oh, wait, you're in a cubicle all day and you're just maintaining systems, not really being creative. And you know what? I think if I had gone further into IT, I could have unearthed a career where instead of being a sysadmin, who a lot of times is, is maintaining things, I could be a system builder or a network builder, network architect. And I think that I could actually be pretty fulfilled being a network architect. Um, I just happened to fall into content creation. Yeah, I, I liked the the cool programming. I like having like, four different Tmux terminal windows up on a big screen with something downloading, looking crazy in one of them, Vim opening mm-hmm. some programming nonsense in another on some other fancy server. I love that nonsense. I love, I love it so much, but my, my ultimate goal was to be doing that and eventually find my way into a company that would then transfer me overseas somewhere fancy to do that. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I'm good at this and I like it well enough. Will it give me the freedom I want? That was more important to me than the career itself yeah. was was the benefits of freedom, which is why, you know, this job actually works out pretty well as well as I gain freedom. I have some, would you have like some to good put freedoms. For, would you like to put in for a transfer? Yeah, I'm going to, I would like to be in the middle of the ocean somewhere. That's probably There's no true. Wi-Fi out I'm there. I'm probably not going to transfer now because I feel like my original dreams were to live in a, in a like foreign country so that I could avoid using English most of the time and work on my language skills a whole lot. I don't really want to do that now full time mm. because it would leave Ashley isolated and I don't want her to have to do that. I want yeah. to travel to those countries for like a few weeks and do the same thing, but I don't want to live there and force Ashley to like hang out in expat bars exclusively to yeah. get to talk to. It just doesn't feel like that would be that fun mm-hmm. for her. So, you know, well, I think Thanks, once once the coronavirus thing is done and we all have the vaccine and everything, you should go, you know, do that like a month at a time somewhere. Yeah, I feel like short term stints will give me the same vision I wanted, but in a more mm-hmm. manageable package. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next question. Are are you sure that you're not my dad? Yeah, I'm not your dad. I'm not 100 percent sure. It could <laughs> be true. Anything could be true. Now. If the person asking this is older than me, then now I'm 100% sure, unless there was time travel, in which case, again, I'm only mostly sure. My level of certainty approaches 100%, but never reaches it. That's true. I cannot be for sure that my future self didn't go back in time. I don't have literally, I cannot say, I can't say it's not true. I can just say probably not. Probably not. That's it. Yep. Okay. Go to your You know what? We have, we have 10 minutes left. 
Man, so we're we bad again. Are gonna, okay, lightning round. We're going to need a truck through. Yeah. Lightning round. Here we go. Pineapple on pizza? No. Wrong, Tom. The answer is yes, but only if you have a small amount of ingredients because you need to be able to focus on each one. Otherwise, pineapple is very overwhelming if you're going to have a bunch of toppings otherwise. It's no got to be like exclusively a pineapple and basil pizza for me. Otherwise, I don't want pineapple on it distracting me from the other stuff. I don't want pineapple on pizza. That's because that you're said, afraid recently, of the citrus, you coward. Recently, we had grilled pineapple with which is a amazing. savory seasoning, which was great. Ooh, yeah, that sounds great. Keep it off my pizza. Is scuba diving on your list of things to do? I don't know about you. Um, but I would love yes. to, but I can't swim. So yeah, I've got several steps before, th- but I would love to do that someday. That would be amazing. I've always thought the ocean was Swimming really cool, especially coastal good. looking environments but if i can't swim i should not go under the sea so i will learn to swim first i would recommend learning how to swim and tread water well yeah um that being said so when we were in hawaii last year we did something called snuba and it is a cross between scuba and and snorkeling yep so what you have is essentially a snorkel mask that is hooked to a tube that goes to an oxygen tank, which is attached to a giant inner tube on the surface. So that instead of cool. your oxygen supply being on your back, it is at the surface and you have like 30 or maybe 15 feet of tube. So you can go down and you can kind of swim yeah. around down there and you have an oxygen supply, which is pretty sweet, but the amount of depth you can go is very limited. Yeah. And if somebody a, throws a cricket thing, in the tube, you're going to have a bad time. There's no crickets in the tube. Um, that, that, that would be terrible. Oh, oh. Put a filter in there. Spit it out. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that I found out is that that it's just the pressure down there is legit. And you have to learn how to equalize the pressure by like, you know, pinching your nose and blowing and kind of popping your ears Mm. as you go down. That makes sense. And I found it very difficult. Um, And maybe it's just a practice thing. I found it very difficult to equalize as I got pretty deep down to like 15 feet. You know, I was was doing everything they said and it felt like my head was going to explode. Or right. implode, actually. Uh, that being right. said, I would love to scuba dive and I would love to cavern dive. I never want to cave dive. There is a difference here. Cave diving is when uh, you cannot see light from the surface. Cavern diving is when you go into these underwater caverns, but you can always see light from the surface. There are some places in uh, Mexico where you can go and they look absolutely beautiful. But at all times, you can turn around. You can be like, okay, I can go that way. I can get back to the surface. That does sound a little better. I don't want to die in a cave. There is not a chance in hell. Can you imagine just having nothing but your flashlight and then like bumping the side of a wall or something and kicking up a cloud of dust? Oh, no, I, I don't. I don't. No. Yeah, okay, no. yeah, so that, that one's a no. But Our scuba diving writer, is a yes. Uh, Ransom, he, he's like into caving to like the degree where you're like squeezing your body well, through little crevices. I guess <sighs> I'll just be prepared for him to die in a terrible accident. I'll yeah, be, I'll, I'll try to get emotionally ready for that early. We'll put it there. I'm, I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so how long do you want to work as a YouTuber? I don't have plans along those lines. Uh, I think we had another question that you may not have put on the list, but it was like, what do you guys see yourself doing in oh, 10 yeah, years? Yeah, yeah. I think I might have I taken that know. off because it's pretty similar to this. But yeah, um, who knows? I don't plan the future that way. I plan like the next year at a time. Right. So here, here's how I see it. Like I, I don't want to be doing the same thing forever. So will I be writing my own script 
and having you know half a hand in the edit for every video 10 years from now probably not because i've been doing youtube for a long time and there are things that i would like to do as well on top of it that being said i like making videos i you know especially when we get the the chance to do something really creative i like having this big platform that allows me to support a team uh right now like from a business perspective youtube is an incredibly good marketing tool so I, there's no there's no planned expiration date on my work as a YouTuber, but I also don't see myself doing it in the exact same way as I am now forever. Okay, cool. You know, just find ways to adapt, keep your goals in mind, and do regular checkups on what you want, and you know, ask yourself, am I going in a direction that I like? I'm not one for ten year plans. Yeah, you know, big expectations. Like we could have a whole goals and expectations episode. I think we should yeah, probably, probably write that down. Because there's big downsides to goals and expectations. Uh, all right. What is the proper mindset to put stuff out there? I'm um, imagining like on the internet, not on the side of the road. Yeah, I would say that um, it's got to be about, you got to like the work for itself rather than just, you should you should never put it out exclusive to get likes and stuff. Because at some point, all the algorithms, everything uses these days will just say no for mm. doesn't even have to be a real reason. And you might get hurt by that, even if it's completely arbitrary and means nothing. If every time I post a photo or something, my thought is, what's the next one? Like, as soon as I post it, I'm like, I feel a little proud of it for like the first hour. And then I'm like, all right, next. And that's it. I don't want to dwell too long on whether anything exceeded or met or went below my expectations. I think it would hurt the intrinsic motivation of art. Yeah. 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 There's a lot to unpack in an answer like this. This could be an episode of its own as well. Um, But the the big things are, you know, if you're putting out content to help people, do you care about helping those people? If you're putting out content for art's sake, do you care about the art? Kind of what you said, like, make sure you're not doing it just for external validation, not only because eventually the algorithms will kind of betray you, but uh, the fact is like our brains are wired to always want the numbers to go up. We have the acceleration addiction. You get a hundred likes on one photo. Well, the next one gets under a hundred. You're going to be like, well, what happened? And it's the same thing for millions of likes. If you're Taylor Swift and you get 4 million likes on one photo, you're going to be like, why didn't I get 5 million? Like I usually get. Yeah. The brain doesn't go, well, you know, you're in the millions, so it's fine. You got to tell yourself that you got to use conscious system to thinking. I tell yourself, don't think relativistically because it's fine. You have 4 million likes. But that's emotionally, if that's what you're focused on, it's you're not going to convince yourself yeah. if that's what you're looking for. So you got to have the right mindset there. And then uh, you got to also be prepared to deal with uh, haters and trolls and general crappy people. It's just something you got to deal with. And something that uh, I keep in mind here, there, I, there are certain stages to an emotional response to a troll or somebody who has uh, crap criticism um, because eventually like I'm trying to get myself to one of two places to a place where I can ignore it and move on with my day and not have it in my head or to a place where I can be empathetic and offer a constructive response and not feel the need to be snarky, but it's not always easy to get yourself there in one hop. So something that I think of is, you know, you know, there's often this saying thrown around that, like men are dogs, like that kind of thing. I think it's actually unfair to the dogs because a dog barks at you or bites you doesn't know any better 
or a mm. monkey at the zoo throws its own feces at you, doesn't know any better. Human being knows better. A human being decides to write a crappy, unconstructive, hurtful comment and post it, all while knowing that they have the option to do something better, and they choose not to. So you should consider why why did they choose that option more so than does this option, does it hurt me? I don't know why they wrote it. They could be really mad today at something. Mm-hmm. It could be completely arbitrary, just like the algorithm that they took it out in this particular thing. Right. And I, I guess my could point just be is that like, they're pointlessly cruel today. My, my point is like, all right, you, you see a dog barking at you. What is your emotional response to it? Maybe a little bit of fear, but you're never hurt. You see a monkey throwing crap at you. You're probably going to dodge because you don't want crap on your face, but you're not hurt. Right. I view it this way. Somebody chose to do that. So I compare the dog favorably in its choice because it wasn't really a choice. Mm. In my emotional response, it's compartmentalization here. I'm like, well, I should not feel emotionally hurt by this because the choice you just made was so stupid that I should feel less emotional response to it than a dog barking at me. Cool. Now I can move to the next step. Do I be empathetic? Yeah. Do I try to help you? Do I try to help you move on and realize you could do th- better things with your life? Or am I too busy? Am I just going to ignore you? <sighs> Either one. I'm, I'm able to, to make one of those decisions now because I'm no longer stewing and like, this guy said something crappy to me on the internet. You know? Yeah. It's like different mental models for, for getting past the stages of uh, emotional reaction to, to criticism and to trolls that we are all going to deal with putting work out on the, on the internet. So there's another possible episode topic. Yeah. Dealing with criticism on the internet. All right. Uh, next question. I think it's yours. Um, do you get recognized in the street? I have once in Target, not in the street, once out somewhere with you, which feels like cheating for me because you have a way bigger audience. Uh, happens more oh, for you there right? was one time yeah there was one time on the street one time in whole foods and then you said one time in target yeah one time in target and i'm pretty sure they recognized me ba- based on my voice because i was i was actually doing i was vo- <laughs> vocal i was like siri make a reminder to record uh, to write out the podcast thing today so yeah. they were probably like podcast wait a second that pretty pretty cool that they must listen enough that that made it obvious by itself you know mm-hmm. but that's the main time I think that you may have been recognized here in Denver as much as I have. Because I, I, th- I think of that one time there in Whole was, Foods. There was one other time I thought maybe because somebody on an elevator, like as soon as I got off, was like, oh my God, that just happened. And I was like, but nothing happened. <laughs> and then later it occurred to me, did I happen? Did, did they, happen, Or Martin. did maybe did they reach Nirvana in the elevator? That's what happened? Like I have no idea, but. Nothing else exciting was going on, so maybe they recognize yeah. me or reach Nirvana. Maybe. I mean, I occasionally get recognized, but not not a lot here in Denver. Um, I've gone to college campuses and get recognized there sometimes, and uh, you know that that'll happen. And I'm always, again, as an introvert, like I know I know how to be presentable in those situations, but a lot of times I'm like. What do I say? I'm an yeah. introvert who is usually prepared to talk about what I'm going to yeah, talk like about. Yeah, like you don't have, you know, like a note card you just pull out. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, not a ton. What, what I thought was funny is the first time I went to, to VidCon as a presenter, I think I had 700,000 subscribers. So I was like, oh man, I'm going to get 
swamped here. I better stay away from the big crowded areas. Friggin' nobody recognized me at VidCon, dude. <laughs> Not no. I think it was like five people over the whole three days. Um, and it's like specifically an event where. Right. So yeah. what I realized is, oh, your online popularity, like that raw number could mean many different yeah. things. And, and because, it's compared to the Earth's population, you know, you're on the Internet. It's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're a, let's say like a, a beauty vlogger or, you know, something like that, then more of your target audience is probably going to go to VidCon. Or if you're, you know, you're somebody who's like, who talks about a lot of the things that YouTube culture is sort of based around. And, you know, the, those kind of fans are going to go to an event like that. Then you could have a hundred thousand subscribers and you could get swamped at VidCon. I've seen it. Um, but if you do videos about how to study, you know, a lot of students are number one, they don't have the money to go to VidCon. Yeah. And number two, they're all over the world. So, you know, yep. it's, it's, it's very, it's variable. That number doesn't always mean what you think it means. Uh, favorite food and drink, uh, French desserts and tea. I don't have any, I don't have anything else specific about that. I love both of them, particularly Mm. custardy desserts like flognard or clafouti. Ooh, uh, butter is my favorite food. That's very, I I don't know. I don't not believe you. There's so many foods I like. I think the best meal I ever had, though, was at a ramen shop in Tokyo called Yotekaya. Oh, you know what? I loved that dessert from Momiji. Japanese mm. restaurants got some good stuff going on. They mm-hmm. should get a lot of points here. Yep. <sighs> uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to say that right there. Okay. Um, uh, how did we meet? Um, I moved to college one time. Well, well, university. I moved to university after community college. And you had already known my oldest friend. So and I think I had met you before. I think you'd come because, to visit because I visited that same yep. friend. Basically, you roomed with my oldest friend, and now we know each other. It kind of just happened. I roomed with your oldest friend, and then eventually we became roommates. Yeah, I yeah. When I moved, when I moved year. in, when I moved in, um, no senior at year. First, you were in a different place, I think, and then eventually we all ended up. Yeah, when you moved in, in, I was an RA, so I was cross yeah, yeah, campus. Yeah, yeah. And then I quit being an RA because that was not for me. And I uh, got yeah. an apartment in the Basically same Basically college and like serendipity. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. Um, well, technically that 10 minutes is already up, so. It's true. We're not very good at lightning so, rounding, are we? Yeah, we're not. Is there any other question down here that you want to do now? Or should we save all of these for another Q&A episode? I don't know. I don't know what the new format is going to be entirely. I don't know what happens next. Or, you know what we could do? Yeah. The new format could involve a segment. Let's do some brainstorming with random, with random questions, yeah. yeah we could have like, uh, maybe. Reader's Q&A corner. Call it a corner. Call it a circular circular Ugh. room corner. Yeah. It's like a paradox. Something like that. So I'll separate these and we'll leave the rest of them. And there's probably others that we didn't even write down from the uh, Instagram post. For oh, yeah, there were quite a lot of responses. Episode. So thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. And we've got one more episode under the College Info Geek moniker. And then, like I said earlier, just to remind you, nothing really is changing on your end except for the fact that our show will be named The Inforium going forward. And we're going back to episode one. Just yeah, keeping the feed because I don't want to be like, hey, go change your feed in your podcast player and do all this annoying work just because I want to change the name of my show. Nah. 
Yeah, we'll if do the work if for you, you like the last hundred episodes or so that we've done, you'll probably like the new one because we've moved away from the college content for the majority of it for for a long time now. So yep, it, it's gonna it be won't the exact be same. All that crazy different, except I'm always speaking death metal voice. That's the one Welcome change. To the That's it. Your voice is gonna be dead in like three episodes. Or I'll, I'm gonna talk to my vocal coach. Teach me how to death metal scream for an hour. Every other week. Sounds very painful. Can you do this? I'll just throw money at him. (laughs) Uh, For now, you can go over to CIGpodcast.com to subscribe to the show. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and of course, any other podcast player that can bring in an RSS feed. So if you're a Pocket Casts person or a Podcast Addict person or a Stitcher person, whatever, it's cool. Do whatever you want. Uh, and if you like this show, I think on Apple podcasts, they have a rating and review feature. So a great way to support the show is to leave us a rating and review. Hopefully it's five stars, but Hey, if you got to take a star off for the fact that my hair is kind of like messed up today or the fact that I'm just not that entertaining, do what you got to do, but hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed this show enough that you would take the time and effort to go and give us five stars. Um, and I don't even know if, if it like helps the rankings anymore. It's been so many Who years. Knows? Back in the day when you launch a new podcast on Apple Podcasts, like almost guaranteed you'd be in new and noteworthy for eight weeks. And then I think it was like 2015, that went away. And now it's 2020. So who knows? I don't yeah. know how podcasting works. You Something stuff happens. Out into the ether. Uh, I assume people even listen. What if nobody listens to this and we just misunderstand the numbers, you know? <laughs> Somehow the sponsors keep paying maybe, us. Maybe I glitched the website <laughs> and, it, and it downloads the episodes a whole bunch. So it's all, it's all just in our heads, Tom. Even the money. Yeah, that's not real. Solipsism is real. It's, uh, yeah. I have a brain in a vat. (sighs) Let's do an episode on solipsism. See, this is the thing I'm excited for. Like, the new name, it could be whatever. Yeah. So, like, if it's interesting, it's interesting. Let's just do it. You know, it's just a show where you and I talk about stuff. Yeah. That makes me excited. Because. Yeah, so if y'all have had cool podcast episode things you want to hear about but you felt like that doesn't make sense for that podcast. Maybe now it does. That's true. Yeah. Let us know. Let (laughs) us know. Uh, Oh, and we have some additional cool things in the works for the Inforium. Um, I'm not going to reveal them yet. Not because I'm being intentionally showman like, but because I need to make sure that all the details are uh, crossed and dotted before I say anything publicly. Thorough. But uh, yeah, there's some other cool stuff coming. So more info about that probably on the next episode, which will be leading right in to the new show. And uh, until then, thanks as always for hanging out with us and we will see you in the next episode. Stay cute.